We are, we are so thankful that we are part of this church family. What an honor and what a privilege it is to serve here in the town of Banff, to serve our local community, to reach out, to be your hands and feet, and to show others Christ's love. But God, we know that we also have people from all over the world that join us every Sunday, and what an honor it is to know that not only do we belong to a local church, but as Randy said, we belong to the global church. That we can come together, and though we've never met, we can worship Jesus together. That we can be united in purpose and in meaning. And so God, we, we pray that that, would, that honor would never become normal in our minds, but that it would always be extraordinary. And so God, as we lift you high in the remainder of our service, as we open scripture, as we look to your word to see what it says to us, we pray that you would impart not just knowledge to our heads, but that you would stir our affections, that we would desire a deeper walk with you, that we would be excited about what it means to mature a little bit more in our Christian walk. So, God, we're eager for these things this morning. God, we know there are some difficult situations in front of several people here. We know there are some still grieving the loss of family members, and so we pray for them. We pray for Janette this morning as she's in Ireland with her family. As they grieve the loss of her mom, would you strengthen her? Would you give her hope in the midst of pain? And would she know that she is cared for and loved by many people all over the world? God, we pray for those who have been affected by the fire at Lake Louise. We know that many have lost not only their accommodation, but have lost very important documents, have lost all their possessions that, are, that are, have moved to Canada and are essentially starting over. So God, we pray for them. We pray that you would stir our hearts into figuring out how we might step out in faith to help. That we wouldn't just be satisfied with just praying, but also that we wouldn't do less than that. God, for those this morning who are going through situations that, that I or that we perhaps know nothing about, we recognize that you know all things. That you know what each person is facing today. And not only do you know what they're facing, you are walking through it with them. And so we pray that they would know that, that they would feel that and experience your grace and your mercy in their life. That even in the midst of hardship and difficulty, that they would know that you are there and that you have purpose in and through all of it. God, as we continue to talk about prayer in these next few moments today and, and the next few weeks, would this become a part of our DNA? Would our conversation with you be a constant thing throughout the day? Would we not dichotomize spiritual life from, from our regular life, but would they be so intertwined that you are a part of every decision, every thought, everything that we do? So again, this morning we ask for your wisdom. 
We ask for open hearts and open minds that we might hear and see what you have to say to us. God, we thank you specifically this morning for the trustees, for their commitment to serving and honoring you with the unique gifts that they have and thank the Lord that there are people that have those gifts because some of us have none of them. And we are so thankful for them. As they serve you, would you give them a, a joyful heart? Would they be excited for what they get to do? God, regardless of what the gift is that you have given us, may we offer it back to you in service, that we might be your hands and feet, that we might be the body of Christ serving one another for the same purpose and the same mission, that you would receive glory and that our community might hear about Jesus Christ. As we give of our tithes and our offerings back to you again this morning, we probably more often than we realize, need to be reminded that nothing that we have is of our own doing, but it's all your gracious gift to us. And so help us to be good stewards with what you have given us. Help us to be generous givers for whatever you call us to, whether that be the financial aspect of the church or whether that be our time to our neighbors or the spiritual gifts that you have given us so that the church might grow. We pray that as we give back to you, that you would receive the honor and glory that you are due. Thank you for all that you're doing. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before we begin here, because Ernie likes to throw people under the bus, does anybody actually think Ernie's taller than Jim? Just curious. Look at the, oh, look at that. Oh, they just happen to be right. Bes- that's pretty close. <laughs> pretty close, guys. I do. I do want to say this, just because I get to see people serving and 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 to see kind of the the uniqueness of it. Um, Jim came very graciously to to trim the hedge, and and I guess he had had a conversation with Jordan, and Jordan's kind of like this is her world, the landscaping world. This is literally what she does for a living, and um, and I guess maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, but she asked Jim to not not make it so tiny, and so Jim did a real hard job just like put a lot of effort in to make it look real good uh and then and then ernie came and was like ah that's not quite enough and and then sheared it a little tighter so jim is not at fault here jordan just so you are aware it's just so funny to see the personalities of people and how they serve and it's just a pleasure um to be a part of such a great team and and as randy mentioned you know we are we are blessed to have uh, the trustees that we do. Uh, again, I have no skills at all when it comes to fixing things. And to know that we have capable men and women in this church that step in and that really help is just a, a tremendous blessing. Okay, we're going uh, to look at prayer again. So for those of you visiting, we started last Sunday and we're spending the month of July uh, going through prayer. Uh, I mentioned this last week, Martin Luther wrote, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer should be a regular part, not just like once a day. Prayer should be an intrinsic part of who we are. That our communication with God, as we looked at last week in two separate passages, that one, that it would be all the time. First Thessalonians 5.17, pray always. And then Philippians 4, 6, and 7 basically is summed up as this pray about everything. 
that as we go through our day, that God is present in all of it. And, and as I prayed earlier, that not that we would dichotomize things and go, here's my spiritual life, I'll pray about those things. Here's my regular day-to-day life, and I'm just going to s- step in, and I'm, I'm going to rely on my own strength for that. We should be constantly asking of God, what would you have us do? Then we would be listening to God, and most importantly, listening to what he has written to us in his word, which we know to be the truth of God. God's spirit breathed out for us that we would know. And so, one of the challenges that we talked about is maybe not that we don't know that we should pray, but that we are not sure how do we pray. What should we say? And so, I gave you this resource, and I'm going to say it again. Donald Whitney's short book called Praying the Bible has been the most helpful piece of, of writing that I've ever read on understanding what my prayers should look like. His quote in his book is that people don't pray because when they do pray, they pray about the same old things in the same old ways. And we kind of get bored. And he says, rather, we should open Scripture and we should read through the pages of Scripture and we should pray those things because those are God's word written to us. And so we don't have to wonder, what should I pray? We can know what we should pray. And so we did that last week as we, as we concluded with uh, the Lord's Prayer, not as a specific template of how to pray, but of recognizing various areas in which we can pray and the things that we can call out to God for. Some of you may struggle with this is when somebody gets sick or somebody is hurt or, or there's a specific, maybe there's a house that you would like to buy or a job that you would like to get, and then we, we go, God, I really think that would be good that, that we would get that or that this would occur, but then we go, but I don't know God's will. And so am I just praying for what I want or am I praying for what God wants? And that's what we're going to sort out here in these next few weeks. And, and there's a question that I asked last week that we're not going to answer until the 30th, but I want to address it because it was asked of me again afterwards last Sunday. Is This is the big question is, does prayer change things? If God is sovereign and knows all things, well, why bother praying might be your response. And yet, Scripture teaches us to pray, and, and Jesus modeled to us very specifically what it looked like to have communion with God. And all through the Old Testament, and we're going to see this when we go back to Exodus in, in the fall, is, is Moses is going to stand in between God and the people and ask that God change his mind. But we know the scripture says God is not a man who changes his mind. So how do we wrestle through those things? And that's where I think prayer can be challenging. And so this is why we want to study through what does scripture teach us about prayer so that we might actually view it in a biblical way. So last week we looked generically at it. This week we're going to begin, the next four weeks we're looking at uh, adoration prayer, confession prayer, thanksgiving prayer, and then the 30th we'll look at supplication prayer. And that's where we're going to answer the question of does prayer change things? And these are not the only things to pray for. This is just just a way of getting a simple little acronym, ACTS, A-C-T-S in your mind so that as you pray, that you don't just pray about kind of one area of things. And, and I said this last time, is one of the things that we're really good at is asking prayer. God, would you give me this? Would you please show up in this way? Would you help me in this? And prayer is way more than that, but it's also not less than that. We should ask God. Why? Because we're not in control. Why should we ask God? Because I don't know what I need, but he does know. 
But we want a varied prayer life where we look at all kinds of things. How often when we pray, do we pray confessional prayers? Confessing the shortcomings that we have before a holy God. Not because Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is insufficient. He sacrificed himself once for the forgiveness of all. Your sin is paid for. But there's still a relationship that's going on. And so we need to confess those things. We looked at a little bit of that last week. Thanksgiving and then supplication. So this morning, adoration prayer. So let me read to you. um, Actually, before we do that, let me define this because I thought this was really interesting. The word adoration, if you look it up in the Oxford Dictionary, has two meanings. The first one, it says deep love and respect. The second one says worship. These are two very different things, aren't they? What you worship becomes what is most ultimate to you. So when we think of adoration prayer, or, or we might, we're going to use praise, worship, adoration, we're going to use those interchangeably is the way in which we exalt God, we look at who he is, his character, and we worship him. You might say that you adore your spouse or you adore your children, but I hope only then it's deep love and it is not worship. Because if you elevate, let's say, your spouse or your children or your job or your finances or anything else above what God deserves as worship, then we're in for a real rough road. None of those things are worthy of our worship. I said this to Tegan and Jeffrey at their wedding yesterday, is the number one thing that each of them can do as they learn a life of marriage is to love Jesus first. Because if you put your spouse as number one in your life, you will set yourself and them up to fail. God alone is worthy of our worship. Psalm 9, verses 1 and 2, it says this, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and I will exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Man, in just two little verses, there's a lot in there for us. Do you give thanks with your whole heart or just with part of it? God, thank you for giving me this, but I really would appreciate this. I think often that's what our prayers look like more so. I will recount of all of your wonderful deeds. This is why we study all of Scripture. This is why for 2023, we spent all from January until June in the book of Exodus looking back on God's faithfulness to the Israelite people. Because when we look forward to the challenges that we have, we can read back and go, look, God is faithful. We are quick to forget. We need to be reminded. I will exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name. This is one of the unique things that when churches come together, that basically no matter where you are, is that churches lift their voices in praise and worship through song. It's an amazing thing. And and there are places in the world where it's illegal to gather together. And and I know I've told this story before, but I have a friend who uh, works with the underground church in China. And and the place where they worship changes all the time so that the government doesn't see it. And as they go, it takes hours for people to show up so that they don't all show up at once. And yet they still sing. They just sing silently. There'll be a little music that's turned on very quietly and nobody uses their voices. But in their own hearts, they're crying out to God in worship. 
how much louder should it be in this building where we have all the freedom to praise the name of Jesus? Psalm 78, verse 4, Asaph takes this one step further. He writes this, We will not hide them from their children, but we will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Parents, take that verse very seriously. It's not just about you and your relationship with God. It's about modeling that to your children, telling them of the wonderful things that God has done. I think usually what we do is when we have our little family meetings, they're because something has fallen apart, because things are not going well. But do we call a little family meeting together or in a moment take your son or your daughter with you and and remind them of the beauty and the glory of God? Do you remind them of all that God has taken you through? Do you vulnerably share with your children the hardships and yet the faithfulness of God in the midst of that? The Bible is filled with examples of all kinds of various authors of Scripture speaking of God's awesomeness and how it should lead to worship. When we read these texts, you don't need to be looking for explicitly adoration or praise or worship, but anything that reminds us of who God is and how he and he alone is worthy of our praise. So I want you to open to Psalm 8, and we're going to read these short nine verses together as an example of what adoration prayer looks like. There's some really interesting things in here. David writes this. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all the sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What a beautiful song. Now, here's your nerdy thing for the day. Whenever you, and the Psalms do this a lot more than other places in the scriptures, but it is everywhere. Is this is what you call them when verses 1 and verse 9, the beginning and the end, are they exactly the same? We call that an inclusio. And what that means is that we're starting in a place, we're moving somewhere, and it's just going to bring us right back to the truth of what we first said. Perhaps you've had prayers like that. Where something has happened so amazing, so wonderful that you can't help but cry out and then you you pray some other things and then you can't help but end back in that same place that you started. Whenever you see that in scripture, it means slow down, read it again, make sure we get it. David looks out, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I think here, maybe more than anywhere in the world, that should be a daily occurrence for us. I remember, I was hoping Carly would be here because I'm using a fishing story, but she's not here this morning because she's fishing. No, <laughs> I didn't say that. The family said that. I, anyway, a few years back when I was a fishing guide, uh, I was taking a group of dentists from uh, North Carolina. 
out in the water, and, and we had a really big lake and then a whole bunch of little lakes that we could fish in. And we were headed out to one of these little lakes, and so it's quite a probably 20-minute, half-hour rip across the water. And so we're driving, and all of a sudden, this guy named Ben looks back at me, and he just says, Greg, can you just stop? And in my mind, I'm like, we got fish to catch, man. I got a tip to make. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, sure, we can stop, and we stopped, and kind of there's the fog rolling and the loons calling out, and it's just this peaceful, serene moment. And this guy stands up in his boat, and he starts quoting a psalm. Man, that was a pretty cool experience. He didn't know I was a Christian. We had met five minutes before that. And yet, he had this overwhelming moment of, I need I need to talk about God in this moment. It's maybe easier when you're sitting peacefully and tranquilly on a lake and hearing the loons call. What about when your world's falling apart? What about when your loved one, whether that's a spouse, a parent, a child, has been diagnosed with cancer? What about when you're driving on the highway and you see an accident happen and you know that someone has lost their life? Is God still worthy of worship and adoration in those moments? Well, God hasn't changed. But how do we bring our emotions into that response? How do I praise God in the midst of my hurt and my suffering? When I was originally planning to speak on this, I was going to only speak on psalms of adoration in the sense of Psalm 8 where it's all good news. But I realized that that would be not only doing you a disservice, it would be teaching not the whole counsel of God, but just part of it. There are many psalms that cry out to God in lament, in hurt, in pain, and yet nearly all of them either begin or end or both with worship of God in the midst of crisis. How do we do that? Well, I think the first answer is very simple. It's just very hard. We do it by practicing to do it. We cry out to God regularly in the good times so that when the bad times come, that we can still trust this God because he is faithful. Psalm 22, if you want to flip ahead just a little bit. Now, this is, a, this is a messianic psalm, and this is what Jesus is going to cry out on the cross, and that's a whole other conversation for another time. But when you come across passages like this, is yes, it points forward to something, but David, the writer of this psalm in 22, is also in the midst of circumstance that you and I can relate with. And so he says this in verses 1 and 2. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. You ever felt that? You ever cried that? If you haven't, it's only because you haven't been honest with God. This is a reality that all of us face. Life is messy and filled with difficulty. Whatever David is going through, and it's, again, that's another rabbit trail to go down, but whatever he is going through in his current circumstance, it is overwhelming to say the least. Maybe that's you this morning. 
Maybe you're here and you're here only because you come to church on Sundays and that's what you do because you don't feel like you're with God. Maybe you're feeling very disappointed in God today. Well, let these first two verses remind you that God's got broad shoulders. He can handle that. But let the next verse remind you of where we need to end up. You wouldn't think that this would be a praise psalm, but then in verse 3, yet, notice that word yet. Even though all of this is going on, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Even though this, this is still true. This is huge. David writes most, well, not most, but the majority of Psalms attributed to any specific person. David writes the most. And what's really interesting is often they're written in times of despair, specifically before he's become king of Israel, but after he's been anointed to be king of Israel. He knows what God is doing. He knows what God has promised, and he believes that. But then he cries out in God's, and says, God, why? Why do you let the wicked prosper, and why am I hiding here in a cave? What are you doing? You see, sometimes what our brain knows intellectually, our heart does not know emotionally. And the only way for us to get our emotions to that is to go to scripture and to read and to remind us of how faithful he is. And this is all of Psalm 22 is David going, God, there's this going on and I don't know what to do, but yet you are still holy. Yet you are still faithful. Yet I can trust in you. But this is happening and I don't know what to do about it and why are you even allowing it to happen? But yet I will put my faith in you. And you might read something like that and go, man, David's schizophrenic. Or you might be able to look at it and go, David's real. And he's like you and I. Sometimes it's really easy. We're on that mountaintop. Things are good. There's enough food on the table. There's enough finances in the bank. And then sometimes you move to a different country and everything you own gets burned in a fire and you don't know what to do. Sometimes those moments happen within seconds of each other. And we don't know how to process that. It can go from so good to so hard. If we don't learn to adore a God who is worthy of our worship in the, thing, in the moments where things are going well, we're, we're not going to when they're not going well. Maybe I said that too strongly. God can still work. But I think it's up to us to step forward even in the midst of that hurt, and say, what my emotions don't feel, I know to be true anyway, and so I will remind myself of it. Verse 22 of this psalm, David says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Seems like a sharp departure from verse 1, doesn't it? Even though this is happening, I am going to tell not only myself, but I'm going to tell my brothers of God's faithfulness and his goodness. 
Verse 25, from you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. Even though I don't feel the way I want to feel right now, David says, I'm going to go and I'm going to do what is right and I'm going to wait for my emotions to catch up to my head. There's really no easy answer for this. There are plenty of great resources about prayer and some books that are written of people who have lost a child and have gone through seasons of I wanted nothing to even, I didn't even want to acknowledge that God was real. And yet you can hear from those people's cries and their heartache and their pain and and some of you have been through immense situations that I can't even begin to understand. A story is told of a a pastor who lost his wife and and child in a car accident on a Saturday night. And he was all prepped for Sunday morning, and he got a phone call, and your family's dead. Now you might think, well, what what would you do? Well, that next morning, the pastor sat in the front row and cried his eyes out the whole day. And people kept coming up to him and said, Pastor, you don't, you don't need to be here. And he said, this is exactly where I need to be. Are we willing to be people where we show hurt and pain? It wasn't as though the pastor sitting there in the front row crying was, was okay with the situation. He was deeply grieving. Probably questioning God his goodness. And yet he knew that he needed to be there with the saints, with the body of Christ, because he could not pick himself up in that moment. He needed other people too. Just because we're hurt doesn't mean that God isn't good. And we might need a reminder of that. There's a verse in Job 13, 15 that's maybe one of the most deeply profound verses in the Bible. And Job writes this, Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. A few years ago, I showed a video that I'm going to show again. I think based on what our topic is, based on the truth of scriptures, I think we need to be reminded of this often. And for those of you like me who are nerdy musicians, sometimes music just speaks in a way that words on their own fail. And so there's a song written by Shane and Shane about this. And in the midst of this, there's a partnership where they have a little excerpt of one of John Piper's sermons about the purpose of suffering and pain. And so for the next six minutes, we're just going to watch this. And then I'll come up and then I'll close with a few other thoughts. But let's watch this together.
the crazy thing about those kind of stories and those kind of songs is not one of them is written in moments of happiness. They're all written in heartache and pain. When Job lost everything, he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Do we trust God? Is he worthy of worship even when everything falls apart? I think this is in the same way where we started last week with the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name. Holy is God's name. We need to begin prayer with adoration because if we go straight to our circumstances, then we start to define God based on what we're going through, not based on who he is. May we look for scripture to see who he is and what his attributes are. If we start with a proper perspective of who God is, it doesn't make the pain go away. But it does help us endure it. Because as John Piper said, it is meaningful. It has purpose. And no matter how difficult it might be to see that purpose, when we surrender ourselves at the foot of the cross and we surrender to Jesus and we say the same prayer that he prayed, not your will, sorry, not my will, but your will be done. We're submitting even though we're saying, God, I don't, I don't understand. Maybe I don't even agree with what you're doing right now. If that's where you are this morning, if you're going through heartache and pain, be reminded of a man in Scripture who goes up to Jesus asking for his boy to be healed from an unclean spirit. And Jesus says this to him, all things are possible for the one who believes. His response is honest and beautiful and possibly maybe one of the more meaningful parts of Scripture where it says, I believe, help my unbelief. I think that's where most of us live every day. It's God, I know I know you're worthy of praise. I know you're good. I know that I can trust you. But my sin nature is telling me I don't want to. And so may we have this same response. I believe. Help my unbelief. Now as we close, you can flip to Psalm 146. And I said last week we're going to practice what we preach here. This is why praying through Scripture is so important because we will anchor ourselves to what we know is true and right and good no matter how we feel. And so I want to read these 10 verses to us and then I want to pray through them together. Psalm 146, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth, and on that very day his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven 
and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. and The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Now again, what I'm going to pray here is not some magic formula. But I'm doing it to try and help us see and understand that all we have to do is talk to God with the things that we know to be true. So let's bow and let's pray through these verses together. God, we, as one church body, a local church with with visitors here from all over representing your global church, we praise you. You are good. Whether our emotions are can understand or grasp that truth right now, would we choose to worship you anyway? As long as we have breath in our lungs, we praise you. God, help us to not put trust in man, in a leader, in a person, in a government. Salvation is found through no one else than Jesus Christ. And so may we put our hope in Jesus and Jesus alone. God, we were reminded of just how temporal we are. That when we breathe our last, that we will depart and we will return to the earth. The very way in which we started. Our words our actions are so small in comparison to you. May we trust in you, the God of Jacob. May we hold the Lord who has created all things. May we trust in this one true God. May we look forward to your justice. Thank you that you give food to those who need. Thank you that you have opened our eyes and that you have set us free. May we bow down and surrender ourselves to you, recognizing that you alone are worthy of our praise and and we know that you will then lift us up. God, thank you that you love the righteous. May we love to be righteous. May we want to do what's right, not so that our name would be lifted high, but so that your name would be lifted high. Thank you that you watch over the sojourners. And once again, we think of those who have come to our country and have lost everything in the fire. Thank you that you care for them and that you are walking through this with them. 
Thank you that you uphold the widow and the orphan. That those that our world sees maybe as invaluable or or not having value as you see as having immense value. God, thank you that you bring the wicked to ruin. And that sounds harsh, but we want to be people who look forward to the one day when you will come and you will bring justice once for all. Not our justice, not what we think should be done. But in your ways, in your wisdom. And we look forward to that judgment because it means that we will get to be with you for all of eternity. So God, may we submit our hearts to you. God, if there's someone here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, pray that they would consider these things. That they might be able to be with you and with us in eternity for all days. God, we pray these truths over us individually, but also corporately. If we are going through hardship and pain and difficulty today, would we read the faithfulness of God so that our emotions can catch up to what we know to be true? Though you slay me, yet I will praise you. God, thank you that all suffering has purpose and that you are maturing us to become more like Christ. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for these people. May we affix our eyes on you. May the things of the world fade in comparison. And may our purpose become clear to bring you glory and honor and to make Christ known. Give us the strength to do that this next week. We love you. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.